0: Welcome back to at Glory, where our beloved Premier League came back with a vengeance, Brett. Really enjoyed doing the show with you last week, and I really enjoyed how right we were about so many things. The heavyweight teams came out and started playing as if they had never left, really laid the smackdown in the league, except for one, and that would be the Spurs, who we told everybody to fade. How are you feeling generally after watching the first weekend of action?
1: Uh, I mean, I think the real lesson of the first week is always bet blind. Uh, just don't look at the lines. <laughs> Trust your gut on something. It's always going, to, it's going to hit hundred percent of the time. So that's yeah. what we learned.
0: Brett bet Erling Halan to score two goals. Absolutely blind. He didn't know the odds. They hadn't been posted and he went ahead, threw it in his five pint and sure as hell, it came in the big Norwegian cash for you almost
1: too easily. Yeah, I mean, he took like eight shots that game and had legitimately two, two expected goals worth of chances. Uh, he probably could have easily turned those chances into four or five. So, yeah, uh, like I said, just bet blind. Don't even look at lines. Just if, you, right. feel, if you feel it, if it feels good, just throw money at it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Just keep betting blind, Brett. Like keep telling our audience (laughs) that you don't look at lines before you give out advice. This is just a great way to kick off another episode. I'm a a true professional professional show.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm a true professional Toby. Let's not, let's not get lost. Let's not (laughs) get lost in this whole thing.
0: Uh, so before we jump into the this weekend's action, a uh, real quick note. It seems to be all too often that we have a heavy heart when we open the show. But yet again, right before we started recording, the legend of legends passed. Pele uh, has left us at the age of 82. And Brett, I was thinking about this you know, while he's been sick. And now that uh, he's unfortunately gone, I think it's a, a time to ask this question. Is Pele literally the most famous athlete who ever existed? There are so few athletes that are the like first guy off of the scorecard when you talk about their sports. And I can only come up with three and maybe four, but I don't want there to be recency bias. I think the list is Babe Ruth with baseball, is Michael Jordan with basketball. We're talking globally. We're not talking like where the sport is most popular. We're talking like the most people in the world would relate this one name to a whole sport. Um, so Babe Ruth with baseball, Michael Jordan with basketball, I think it's Pele with soccer. And the only one with recency bias I don't I don't want to get too into is Tiger Woods with golf. But I think Pele is definitely on that list. I think if we were doing a family feud style, like name a soccer player anywhere in the world. He'd be historically the first guy named. And it's it's the most popular sport in the world and he's the most well known athlete. Does that make him the most well known athlete of all time?
1: I, I got to believe it. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be cultured enough to know like how the rest of the world talks to him. But, you know, I mean, for, for my youth, which was not soccer laden at all, it, it was a casual reference of like just joking with someone like, you know, nice kick Pele kind of thing. So I think like the fact that he enters like our culture just through that, I I have to believe He's an, I mean, he's an icon. Like it literally, if you do word association with soccer as it, with most Americans, I would think even non-soccer following Americans, if you said name something associated with soccer, I have to believe a vast majority of people, the first thing in their head would just be Pele, the name Pele. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's I, what I'm
0: talking about. He became yeah. a shorthand for the entire sport, just like really? baby, yeah, just that, like Michael that,
1: Jordan. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. Like Pele is, is just intertwined with soccer in America for sure um and i'm sure it's the same way globally obviously you know brazil as a country is probably going to be mourning right now uh, i mean when he was getting really sick during the world cup there was a lot of coverage on that and the impact it was having on the national team so yeah i i just think this is he's such a cultural icon um it, you know and it's weird because these guys are are so larger than life you know it was a little jarring to like read about his death right you know i was a, yeah it was very similar. Obviously Kobe was very shocking. Uh, Pele is you know, much older when Kobe passed, but like these people just seem so larger in life. Like someone like Pele doesn't seem like a real person almost because yeah. he's such an icon. Um, they, you know, it's, it's, that's kind of one of those things is like, that I think about when I see him passing this, like, Oh, my God. Like, you know, this guy was so iconic, like you forget he's just a human being as well.
0: Yeah, we've lost legends recently, like Franco Harris or Bill Russell comes to mind. I mean, like, yeah. you know, seminal figures in their individual sport, but somehow Pele, it feels closer to the Queen of England dying than it does, you know um just another athlete. And I don't mean that to, you know, demean anybody else. It's just like that's how big of a international figure that he has been for so long as well, right? Like, I mean, he Mm -hmm. breaks on the scene in the 1958 World Cup, and ever since then, he's, you know, obviously, or not obviously, but arguably been the most famous uh, athlete on the planet. So, I mean, Muhammad Ali is probably another one. Like, you're talking about real, real, real upper, total, seminal sports figures leaving us um, and... We obviously thoughts go out to his family thoughts go out to the entire country of Brazil, but what an unbelievable legacy
1: for one man to leave behind. Yeah, absolutely. And 2023 can stop doing this. Uh, It just doesn't need to follow suit with 2022. So just saying that to the new year, you know, putting it out in the the universe kind of thing.
0: Well, even if we have a heavy heart, we still have games coming up this weekend and I would love to talk about them with my friend. We're going to start at Liverpool. Versus Leicester, Liverpool is 6th at 25 points. Leicester is 13th at 17 points. This game is Friday at 3 p.m. We are taping this on Thursday afternoon, just in case there any late breaking news. Liverpool is minus 370. Our friends over at Caesars have Leicester at plus 900. The draw is plus 245. Liverpool minus a goal and a half is minus 130. Leicester is plus 100. So, Brett, before we even jump into this game, I just wanted to just... I know we texted about it. I want to like get on the mic and discuss how annoyed I am with this Cody Gakpo signing. Like, why is it? Why is it that if Chelsea calls about a player and it's like the seventh center back on Monaco, they're like, "Oh, that's eighty million dollars," but <laughs> one of the darlings of the World Cup comes up. They get to outbid somehow Manchester United at a mere $37 million. Why do they get the smart team discount and get to play below market prices? And every time my dumb team calls, they get dumb team prices.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's one of those things that, A, I mean, you and I have no idea how the inner workings of these transfer fees go. <laughs> um, I don't think most of the people involved probably do either. Um I just think it's probably got to be a credit to the backroom staff at Liverpool in that regard, in terms of the recruitment aspect of pretty much like getting a player to be like, I only want to go to this place, uh, which really drives down the fee. Um, And I think Liverpool have a lot of rich history in terms of that regard to sell on. Um, They're obviously like just, been very good you know they've won a champions league and won a premier league and they legitimately have been one of the only challengers but, but the that's city. true
0: of chelsea that's true of city well, and I, City still has a to recency. pay 100 million for Grealish, but we yeah. still have to pay you know outrageous sums for everybody we buy how does liverpool get away with this
1: yeah i mean i i just think a lot of it is they must do they must put a lot of pressure in terms of the player just has one destination he wants to go to it limits his op- options. It gives them a ton of leverage, I would assume, and then that's how you get these fees. Um, and, and I, I mean, uh, again, we have no idea how some of this stuff works, and maybe there's shady backroom things that are going on. Maybe there's certain relationships with agents uh, that we don't know about. Um, but it was definitely interesting to see his figure. I, I mean, it was like a hundred million in the middle of the World Cup, like after he won on a heater, right? And then it dropped to about fifty for United. And then all of a sudden, yeah, Liverpool scoops them up for 37. So it's, it's weird, man. I, I don't know. Soccer transfer fees are like the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> in terms of that stuff.
0: Well, be, putting aside how annoyed I am at the price, and I am plenty annoyed, um, does he actually make their team that much better? I know that seems weird to say about a guy who was the darling of the World Cup, but you and I talked about when we were covering the World Cup, he did score three goals, but you know, they were on pretty low XG. Like It was an excellent shots in the moment, but is that sustainable? And when they already have Firmino, Salah, Jota, Diaz, Nunez, it obviously makes them in the short term better because of the injuries that they have. But long term, is Gakpo even an upgrade for what they already have up front?
1: Well, I think the DS setback uh, is what drove this transfer. Um, I think the, the fact that he is pretty much going to be done uh, for this season, um, the fact that Jota has a soft tissue injury every two months and Firmino is 31 um, and definitely has his best football probably behind him. I think we looked at Liverpool as like, oh, look at this embarrassment of attacking options. And then we watched them roll out Oxlade Chamberlain with yeah. Darwin Nunez and Mo Salah because they have nothing else. Um, yeah. If so, you had told me Oxlade
0: Chamberlain was going to be starting boxing day for Liverpool, I would right. assume some horrible international incident
1: took place. Right. At the World Cup, for sure. Yeah. Like uh, it, it was, uh, it's one of those things where when you look at it in that context, It's like, does Liverpool really want to invest, uh, or sorry, rely on oxlade Chamberlain, or do they want to invest in what really is like Gakpo is is really a fringe prospect? I mean, the Eredivisie is not a a good league that translates very well. His numbers were like okay. He's also 23. He's not like 19 or 20. Um, So he's an okay prospect, like for a club of that size. Uh, and I, I mean, for the pricing, like we, uh, somebody brought this up, and I can't remember, somebody a lot smarter than me. But when you look at it in terms of like percentage of revenue, like their signing essentially equates to like basically viewing him as like a fringe rotation player, um, which is fine. Like you take that risk, he eats up some minutes. He kind of does a thing where he dribbles the ball with his feet and moves the ball forward that way. It does kind of complement the way that Sala and Nunez play in that regard. So, like, he's fine if he eats up minutes. And when you look at the market outside of that, like, their only other option, and, I mean, you're probably seeing this as, like, a Chelsea fan looking through attackers, is, like, Jal Felix on loan. For yeah. the clubs of, of your of level of, of like, a Chelsea, a Liverpool, United. So, for that, like, they didn't really have a lot of options. They were kind of priced in if they wanted to upgrade over Oxlade-Chamberlain or not rely on someone like that. This was their only move, really.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm just... He's 23. He's not going to lose his value. They're going to sell right. him in three years for 70 million somehow. It's just, it's so annoying. It's so annoying how <laughs> Liverpool keeps doing this and the other teams are, seem incapable, especially when you root for one of the other teams. Um, And for the, in terms of this particular game, I went back and forth a lot, Brett. I think uh, I, I want to hear your Liverpool take. I think you were a little more impressed with them than I was in their first match back, but it's hard to judge a team that has Oxlade Chamberlain playing up front uh, <laughs> and what they're going to be viewed as, you know, when they hit full strength. Strength. Uh, Lester, you know, they have a history of keeping games respectable this year. They haven't got their doors blown off very often, and then they got their doors completely blown off by Newcastle. So in trying to handicap this game, I think I have some recency bias, even though Lester's been playing a lot of one goal matches throughout the year. I'm not going to give out Liverpool minus 370 because you know, that's what Harry would do, um, but <laughs> I didn't know which way to go on the adjusted line. And just because I can't unsee how bad Newcastle beat Leicester and Liverpool did look you know, pretty good moving the ball around the pitch, Salah's goal on that tap in off some beautiful movement. Robertson looked incredible um, down the left in this particular match. I will take Liverpool minus 130, but it's my prop that I would actually play. Um, because you know if you're, you're going to take Liverpool minus have minus one thirty, that has okay value. Um, mm-hmm. but I would go for real value if you think that can be the result. I would go two exact scores, and I'd put half a unit on each. I'd put pool at two zero at plus six seventy five, and pool at three one at plus nine fifty. And then if you think they can win by two and they end up winning like 4-2 or, you know, 4-1 or whatever it might be, then go with God. You lost that one, but at least you got some real juice on the 2-0 and 3-1, which are the most likely results if you're going to play the one minus 1.5 anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I'm actually going to, you wanted my take, but this is going to end up bouncing back to you because I kind of have put together a little analogy here. Um, but like, uh, we are, we're two very galaxy-brained, you know, handicappers here we're we're smart we're above the fold but like Jesus. our limitations even are something that i think this liverpool team exploits and i and i think it's because when most teams experience a drop in form usually there's a thing that our brain can connect like this player's hurt this guy left uh, or this guy's getting older or whatever and with liverpool like we see the names out there fabinho henderson diago They could not control that match against Villa. And like when I look at your Chelsea team, right? Like there's reasons maybe why this season hasn't gone as as you wanted to. Conte's been out, huge part. Like we can link those two things very easily. Really good midfielder out, not playing. Chelsea's performance suffers. We're seeing like the same Liverpool team. And they're so they're degrading. I think so subtly that like I looked at that starting eleven and I was like, oh, they're gonna shut this game down against Villa, right? Like that's what happens when Fabinho, Thiago, and Handel all play in the same lineup. And no, it, was it was a wide open, game. shockingly open game. Yeah, we are so weird. And I think part of that is like Darwin Nunez doesn't do anything in settled possession, so like you're just playing with a guy that's like only useful in transition. And so and who um, who suddenly is
0: dummying balls in front of the net rather than yeah. striking. Like, yeah, well, that was he's so not going to actually kick the ball. Like what the hell's Dunia's out there for.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was an interesting thing is <laughs> the pass of that one shot. But, but I guess the, 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 the way that I was going to throw this back to you is like, do you remember a team that was came back basically as complete? I know like we just talked about Jota and, and Diaz being hurt, but basically came back as complete as Liverpool did but produce such drastically different results when those same players took the pitch in just six months. Yeah. I don't remember a team that has like been this different before.
0: Uh, well, I mean, I, this is where my bias will show like watching Chelsea for the last 20 years. Chelsea I was going like right? to say, like,
1: this to you is I know there's going to be a Chelsea team that you're going to throw out there.
0: Yeah. We're talking about like the most, I think obvious example of this. And I, and I'm pulling off long memories here. Um, was Mourinho's second time around? Yeah, when they win the league, and then the next le- the next year they're like tenth or eleventh or whatever, and it was largely the same individuals, and they just got tired of Mourinho, and he'd worn them out. Uh, I can't remember if there were injuries, but I remember it largely being the same squad, and then them just going from you know league champs to trash seemingly overnight. Uh, I'm sure there's been some United teams that we could say that about because they've gone, you know, had pretty wild swings from year to year from time to time. But Mm -hmm. your overall point is the right one. Like, we've been talking about Van Dyke just being slightly worse and all of a sudden Thiago not being, you know, the entire world beater that he's been before. And we talked about Fabinho in a similar way. And you see the names on the back of the jerseys and you think about them from the last three or four years and your brains haven't fully adjusted that maybe they're 5% worse. And in a league as competitive as as The premier league, uh, with all the money flowing around and teams, you know, one through 17, all would be pretty competitive in the top five of almost any other league in the world. That five percent starts to really, really matter week to week,
1: yeah. I, and I'm really glad that I threw that back to you because I think you hit it perfectly. I was perfectly worded it, it, when you look at the subtle increments, but you look at the competitiveness of this league, this is what you get, and, and this is why I think Liverpool are going to be fascinating going forward is because when we pick them to make runs like last year, it was because Fabinho and Thiago were healthy and playing together. They were controlling games. they were shutting games down, getting just enough goals behind it to kind of run their way through the league and, and get back towards the top. I think this is just going to be chaos. And, and part of that is because Darwin Nunez is an agent of chaos, <laughs> <laughs> but also I just think this team, because of, like you said, the subtle decline of so many little guys is going to add up into this match that we saw against Villa, which is a match six months ago. If they basically put out that same lineup, I think they win like two nil. Villa doesn't create anything and that's it. And this match, it was like Villa could have scored four. I, I actually uh, brought up the numbers here. So Villa's expected threat was higher than, than Liverpool's and they actually tilted the field more than Liverpool did that's wild and I mean I don't know if you watched it too but like there was 15 minute stretches of time where it was just Matip and Van Dyke just clearing last ditch crosses out of the box like I've never seen that before when Thiago and Fabinho are playing it's so weird and I think this was the first time my brain actually caught up and was like yo this this is not the team that you think it is so Yeah,
0: I think my match notes actually said this game's really open. This game's extremely open. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe how open this game is. Like just as I was watching, I just kept yeah. writing the same thing over and over again because they Liverpool usually shuts that stuff down. They make the adjustments, and Unai Emery's squad took it to them, and yeah. they, they Liverpool never fully gained control of that match.
1: It was crazy. It, it was wild, and and that's why I'm with you. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't probably bet the spread line but this is, this is a line that I think you and I will get behind, but more than once th- than just this time is the Liverpool come from behind win or yes. draw line. Yes, I think this is, I think this is the way to bet this team because they, yes, they're at Anfield. Yes. Lester has been mostly garbage this year, but like, Liverpool could be up 3-0 right away or down 2-0. Like this is this team right now. And so it's plus 370 for that line that I just gave yeah. out. I think this is gonna be the way going forward, Toby, that, that you and I might bet Liverpool a lot on the show.
0: I love what you just said. Uh I love it as a portfolio bet, just bet it yeah. every single week blind. Cause like I don't know if le- like Leicester's the team I would start with necessarily, because you know, they just got trucked by Newcastle. They often are held to zero to one goals per match. Uh, So to think that they're going to get the first one may not always uh pan out. But once Liverpool starts playing against other teams that have a little bit more offensive firepower where you don't have huge questions of where the goals are going to come from. I love this number. I hit this number with France right in the yeah, World Cup final yeah. and it's one reason I had such a good World Cup. I love the idea of what you're talking about here. If you have a team that has its own offensive power, firepower, like I don't have to worry about Liverpool even if they come to go down 2-0 they could still get two goals back and get 2-2 to cash the bet like you don't have to like pray that they're going to get a goal because their front line still is good and they have Gakpo coming in but you are absolutely right they could leak an early goal and get to chase and then instead of you know getting them at minus whatever 130 as soon as they give up the first goal you're looking at a plus 370 plus 400 number I love it I love it most impressed I've been with one of your bets in a long time.
1: Yeah, man. Look at that. I feel so good. I feel so warm inside. Can we just end the show now so I can just enjoy this feeling? Um, mm, the no. audience wants us to, but we're going to keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Unfortunately for them. Yeah. And then the one thing that, that we can end on with this before we transition to the next game is do not buy into the Darwin Nunez stuff. He's fun to make fun of. He's going to do some like what the F moments once a match, but we have seen this story before. Part of what makes strikers great, and and you uh, have seen this with a guy like a, with a now you haven't seen it personally, but a guy on your current club, Obama Yang, is a great example of this. What makes strikers great is not that they miss sitters sometimes or make questionable decisions in front of the goal. It's that they constantly get shots yeah. in in good high value areas. Obama Yang got ripped for this for years for missing sitters. But you know what he did? He was one of the best strikers in the world and keeps playing for these big clubs because he constantly got to those spots. Darwin Nunez is going to score goals. Trust that. And that's why the, the, I think bets like this are good. It's because when Liverpool gets down and that game gets crazy, that actually feeds right into that dude. <laughs> yeah. And Nunez
0: is uh, a minus number on it any time this week. I, th- I think he was like minus 105 or minus yeah, 110, it was, it was, which I was I, a little surprised was, about.
1: Yeah, he was one of the bets I looked at, but when I saw the minus number, I was like, there's no value there
2: at this yeah. point. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: awesome. Okay. Well, we went a little bit long on
0: Liverpool because they are a fascinating team. So before we get to the next match, let's take a quick break.
2: Have you been betting with the Caesar Sportsbook and Casino app? If so, keep it up because every bet earns with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, you're getting closer to amazing perks like game tickets, free stays, bonuses, and more. And if not, well, when you get started, your first bet is on Caesars. Register with promo code OmahaFull and place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, You'll get your stake back as a free bet. 21 years plus only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only new users and first $10 or more wager only must register with an eligible promo code, bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss maximum bet credit, $1,250 $1,250 must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to Horseshoe Bossier City and Harris New Orleans, Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117, Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537, or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y, or text H-O-P-E-N-Y, 467-369.
0: Okay, we are back. And before we jump into our next match, I want to give a friendly reminder to everybody out there in the sound of my voice that you can come meet Brett. You can come meet me. You can come meet some guy named Cousin Sal and everybody else who works (laughs) at the Extra Points Network in Las Vegas. The the background Uh, figures, the background figures, the supporting players to the beautiful game. Backup dancers. Uh, On January 9th, we are doing a tailgate for the National Championship for Football Americana, the college version of it. Uh, We are going to be at the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club from 2 to 3.30, putting on a live edition of Extra Points, doing a meet and greet. Welcome to stay afterwards and watch the National Championship with us. Tickets for that event are on Ticketmaster.com and Vegas.com right now. And on the day before, we will be hanging out all day at the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club for the NFL games. And then Megan Gailey is going to do stand-up that night. The watch party is free to attend. Tickets to see Megan are on sale at Ticketmaster and Vegas.com as well. We would love to see you guys there. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, We're so excited to get out and do a live event again. And I'm excited to say that Diageo has come on as a sponsor. So we're going to have a lot of uh, their presence there. And we're going to be doing some really fun things with them. So uh, please come join us. And we look forward to talking about the beautiful game with you. If you're not too enamored with uh, seeing Harry and his brother right next to each other, which is a sight (laughs) to behold. (laughs) So the next game that we have right now is the Wolves at 18th and 13 points versus Manchester United. Fifth at 29 points, Saturday at 7.30 a.m. United is minus 107. Wolves are plus 285. The draw is plus 250. United minus half a goal is minus 110 over at Caesars. The Wolves are minus 120. So, Brett, you sent me a text earlier saying you had some nice things to say about Manchester United and you hope that we could still be friends afterwards. <laughs> I'm, I didn't text you back because I wanted to tell you live on the show. I actually wrote down in my notes, I kind of like watching United now. I kind of oh, like, no. like it. I kind of like it. Now that Ronaldo is gone, if Rashford is going to morph into Harry Kane like with his goal scoring and his playmaking, like it was his playmaking that was just off the charts. Uh, in that game this weekend. And Casemiro is going to continue to look like a world beater for both club and country. And Harry Maguire is going to continue his epic run of not playing at all. I've got to reconsider (laughs) them. I have to. I've got to reconsider them. And if Ten Hogg is going to wake up out of his coma and draw up set pieces like the one he drove for Rashford for the opener, like, holy hell, 10 weeks is dead. Long live Eric 10 years. Like, that was amazing. He looked like he was actually a difference maker in that match. So if all that's going to come true, How am I not going to reconsider how I feel about United?
1: I I mean, this is, this is the thing that it's, it's so frustrating sometimes. And I can't imagine what it would have been for a United fan, but like basically what United is right now is just a, finally a solid team without a huge glaring flaw, right? All their attackers, Rashford is obviously looking like the Rashford we thought he'd be, but like Martial, league average striker for a big five team, like nothing special, but like not a huge gaping hole. Right. Yeah. And then you have Anthony who, who's probably right around average, a uh, big five average attacker at this point could get better. Obviously has some upside. Then you got obviously Bruno who's a plus eight Christian Erickson, who still has some legs left. Who's a plus eight Luke Shaw is a fine, solid left back. Aaron wan Bissaka came back. The, he has his flaws, but like, what Aaron Wan-Bissaka does is shut down an entire side of the field defensively. And then Lissandra Martinez and Rafael Brown, they're just guys, but like are they're, they're not Harry McGuire. <laughs> I know that that's your favorite thing about them. Um, but like they're just solid. And then obviously when Casemiro can, still be a great six and do as much as he does for that team in terms of winning the ball back, playing it forward, you know, giving Bruno and Erickson free creative license. Like this team actually finally makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we have not said that about a United team. And I don't even know how long since Sir Alex Ferguson, probably. Um, there's just no, there's no glaring hole. There's no weaknesses. They got a little bit of depth, like a can come into the front four Fred is fine rotating in for Erickson or um, Bruno as like an eight, like they're fullbacks. You got uh, Diego Dalo and, and Juan Basaka are going to probably alternate. So, and uh, you know, as much as we give, cra- give them crap, like Harry Maguire as the third center back on a team, that's going to be finished between fourth and sixth is not a horrible thing. Right. Yeah. So, and even Victor Lindelof is your fourth center back. Definitely not a horrible thing. So this team is just finally solid. Like, this is what we're seeing. And it's weird because we just talked about Liverpool, like the team that used to be the shutdown win games, like work like clockwork team, now just becoming the agent of chaos that United used to be. And I think United is now becoming that team. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of performances that we just saw against Forest, really clean, really controlled, and they're just going to grind out results from this point forward. I think I just
0: put it well, and I'm just going to paraphrase just slightly. Um, I think what's great about being a United fan, and the reason we've made fun of them for so many years, is that they had a uh, team that when you looked at the individual players and the money they spent and the recruitment that they bring in with the Pogbas in the world, et cetera, they looked like a team that should be first that finished seventh. Now they look like a team that sh- you know could be sixth that could finish fourth. Mm-hmm. um and so like that's so much less frustrating right like you yeah. have guys that have come together they sh- they should finish somewhere between third and six and they will finish somewhere between third and six that is a much better place to be as a fan than having a uh you know, semi-galacticos that look like they should be walking the league but you know are staying out like seventh and eighth it's definitely less fun for us it's less fun for united to just be solid i mean your jokes away are going to take a like, like,
1: throughout the show this is uh, this is tough right? well uh, i mean well, you're I One, they're not more coming credit. down from
0: that big a high, but two, I'm gonna find new material, Don't you worry, <laughs> they'll screw something up. Um, but yeah, so I think that you're exactly right. They are now a solid team with solid parts that is playing solidly. And in this particular game, if that if you're you know that's your view, like why wouldn't you take them over Wolves? Wolves gotta win in the at the death against a uh team that's also a fellow relegation contender and you're going to get United, who's actually looking good at only minus 107. Um, Wolves haven't gotten a decent uh, gotten a result against a decent team since since Newcastle in August. So I just don't believe in Wolves at all. I think we're going to be talking about them a lot as they fight off the drop, not as they like rocket up at the table. And I think that some of the United. Um, kind of scar tissue from the Ronaldo and Harry Maguire days is still lingering in that number. I think they can win this two Oh three Oh pretty easily. Uh, So getting them on the money line at minus one Oh seven is one of my favorite bets.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I I'm, I'm with you on the money line. I'll throw out my prop as the clean sheet because, and just preface it with wolves are terrible attacking. So you should just bet clean sheets against wolves. Um, But, but you, we talked about portfolio bets with Liverpool I actually think that there's a portfolio bet right now. I think United is going to be undervalued for the next couple of weeks because even if you look at their recent slate of games, in their West Ham match, which was an even match that they just kind of lucked out a win, Ronaldo was starting up top and played 90 minutes. Uh, in the following match where they got trounced by Villa 3 1, one, give Unai Emory credit, but two, there was Ronaldo playing. Uh, Donny Vanderbeek was playing <laughs> and then Victor Lindelof was in the lineup. And then even in their last recent uh, game against Fulham uh, before they played this last one against forest, uh, Malcio was playing at right back uh, who, who they brought in to be a left back and Lindelof was at center back. So like, this is a United. We did not see the, this United team, and which by the way had Luke shot center back this last match against Forrest. Um, but we have not seen this full collection of United team. We have not seen a Rashford, Martial, Anthony, front three with the Casemiro, Erickson, Bruno, uh, uh, Triumphant in the midfield with shot left back. Dell or Wan-Bissaka right back and then two center backs like this is the first time we're getting the the best version of United and I don't think the models are going to catch up with this so I think this is a bet I think United are going to just generally be undervalued over the next couple weeks. Yeah, and
0: uh, my prop goes right into that because I think somebody else is going to be undervalued until he rips off five goals in four games as Marcus Rashford. Yeah, Rashford's anytime goal scorer is still plus 190. I think that's going to be, you know, plus 100, minus 110, plus 110 here in about six weeks after he goes on a tear. He looks so good for England in the World Cup and he comes right back into the league, scores a goal in that awesome set piece, was extremely active. His passing from distance was just mesmerizing and he was always in the mix of uh, uh, in the goal area of getting himself in good positions to score, and so if he's going to continue to play like this, then getting him at plus one ninety is going to be an auto bet to, for me until the
1: line adjusts. Yeah, I, I think that's that's right too. And then the other part is like when Martial plays centrally, he plays on the left wing. He is just generally going to get on the ball more in that spot. So, and that's that's kind of his preferred position is that left wing, anyways. So, I, I think that's great. I think that's a great bet as well. I. I I hate to do this as it's United, but like there's just gonna be a lot of value, I think, coming up for this team. Yeah, it's
0: gonna be feel really weird it in my so five later when there's multiple United bets in it, but that's where we are.
1: I mean Yeah, it- to have Liverpool possibly being a dumpster fire and United just being a solid, steady, consistent machine. Um uh, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to get my brain around this for a few weeks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Beauty of being handicappers, though, like you can't yeah. you know, stick on your old thoughts forever. If you want to make money, you got to right. be willing to take the new information and adjust. Exactly. All right, Uh, a team that doesn't need much adjustment because they still look like they have a chance to walk the league is Manchester City, second at 35 points, versus Everton, 17th at 14 points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. City is minus 800. Everton is plus 1,900. (laughs) The draw is plus 700. On the adjusted line, we had to get all the way to City, minus 2.5 at plus 105, and Everton... Uh, at minus 135. Oh, my God. It was so great to see City play again. Obviously, I love the World Cup. Obviously, it's my greatest, my favorite sporting event in the world. Anybody who's been listening to us will not doubt the passion we put into that event. But to watch a the highest level of club team come back together and play again it's just so much more quality than we saw in the World Cup, despite those being the collection of the best players in the world playing as hard as they can. It just somehow cannot replace the familiarity and the recruitment that comes at the elite, elite, elite club level. And like, I don't think there's anybody who personified it more than KDB. Like watching KDB playing this game for City versus the performance he put on for Belgium for his country in the World Cup was night and day. Once again, he looked like one of the best players of the year. His like deft touches were unlocking space over and over again. And then he'd hit the incisive pass that just completely carved the other team up and led to a great opportunity for Manchester city. And that guy just wasn't in uh cutter. But as soon as he comes back to the premier league, then here he is again. And he's the guy I like watching probably more than anybody else in the world. So seeing him reappear was magical. And then of course, Holland's going to do Holland things. You sent at the top of the show, he generated two XG on his own. He actually said in the locker room afterwards, he could have had five goals. Um, I know, I didn't, I didn't know, I honestly didn't know when we were talking about last match and you were betting him blind that he was born in Leeds, so that was particularly cool to watch him do that in his uh, first time visiting there since he just joined the Premier League. And then you have Grealish, who looked completely reborn uh, out on the left with multiple assists. Gunduan was incredible. It's just, they're so much fun to watch. As much as I hate them, as much as, you know, they're probably going to win the league again and Chelsea's going to be way behind them. As a soccer fan, it's hard to just not appreciate when you get to see them again after a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's not forget that like Rico Lewis came in and played the Cancelo like in oh, yeah. fullback role, and this is like his first Premier League start. And Pep's just like, "Yeah, you can go do that thing that one of the best fullbacks in the world does," and we won't. And, miss he, a did. and, and he, he did And he did. And, yeah. and you talk about De Bruyne, like he had the little clever like back heel flick without even looking <clears> that played Lewis in, and then he cut it across. And then Grealish Gull- put it over the bar. But like. It's just insane. Like the the Pep machine is insane. Uh, it's just like you see Rico Lewis, and you're like, oh, you know, most managers would be like, we're not going to try to get him involved in the in the the game plan. And Pep's like, yeah, just go do it. What Cello yeah. does, you're good. Yeah.
0: La- last week we talked about forgetting things that happened before the World Cup because the World Cup just kind of erased our brains in the Premier League. I actually forgot until this morning that Pep signed an extension. Yeah. Um, it's so, so depressing. It's so it's invigorating as a uh, fan to get to watch him continue to like build this killer machine. And it's just the highest quality of soccer possible to watch, but he's just going to keep doing this to the league. Like <laughs> I thought he might like move on after next year, but Nope, 2025 he's sticking around.
1: Yeah. And I mean, honestly with city, like it's going to get to the point where we're, you and I are going to just have to get creative with the, the way that we do our bets. And and so for me, the prop that I finally went to was, and this is a hundred percent a city bet, but it's the match match goal between the first and 15 minute at plus 180. I just think they're going to bury Everton under chances throughout the entire game because Pep has built this monster with a monster at the head of the monster. Um, the Hydra, I guess is what you want to call it. And yeah, I, I this is like the only thing I found where I felt like, okay, you can get good value somehow betting City to score <laughs> against a bad team. So uh, it was plus 180 for that one. I'm sure there there's some other ones, but I think this is what it's going to come down to. Holland is going to be a a machine and we're going to have to be really creative in terms of figuring out where the value is in city matches. I'm going to shock you. I'm going to shock you, Brett. Oh no.
0: I'm I'm actually taking Everton on the adjusted line. Um, I know it's dumb. Is Is this a
1: Frank Lampard thing?
0: No, it has nothing to do with Lampard. It (laughs) has to do with City switching off in second half. You're
1: not wearing his kit right now. I just want to make sure.
0: All right, ah, baby, American Outlaws. There we go. Um, Okay. uh, no, it has has to do with City switching off in the second half and starting to play with their food because they're bored because they're so much better than these other teams. So when you take the line all the way up to three. that's a huge,
1: huge, huge number. <laughs> a lot of goals.
0: <laughs> um, And we saw, you know, in their last match, they didn't win by three last match. Lee's came back and nicked one because, you know, they were already up three and they're not even uh, giving. Well, I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to accuse athletes of not giving the full measure of their abilities. But th- the intensity with which the game was played seemed to change drastically when that third goal went in. Um, And if they're going to get that third goal, you know, in the first 60 minutes, that leaves a lot of time for a consolation goal to come in and change the scoreline. So the two bets that I'm playing is Everton um, on the two and a half, because that's crazy, and minus 135. And just, you know, for some context, they did stay within one of Liverpool, Newcastle, United, and Chelsea this year. So it's not like they get blown out every time they play a top team. It's not like Norwich last year that just got drilled every time they played one of the big six. Um. So I'm going to take them with <laughs> to keep it within two, which is a huge line. And then second, this is the one I like more. Everton with first goal for them to score coming in the second half is plus three twenty. So they get blanked in the first half. United or you know, City's up one o two o already. They get a third one, and then. Everton gets some BS set piece or a penalty or just some lazy breakaway or whatever it is to score. And you're getting uh, like three and a half to one on that. I can see that scenario happening, you know, in half the times these teams play. So I think that's a great number to get.
1: Yeah. The the thing I would add to that. Well, the caveat I would say is Everton are garbage. Uh, But the thing I would add to go to your point would be that Uh, One of my hot takes, my many hot takes that I keep suppressed sometimes is I think we would be having a very interesting conversation about Ederson if he did not play for a team that basically always had the ball. Um, Yeah, like he is not. He has some flaws as a shot stopper, and he, I think, will concede more goals than probably the average keeper. Now, granted, he's going to play some pretty incredible balls at his feet. That's the thing that. Ederson is there at city for is they have possession 70% of the match. So they don't need to worry about how many shots he's going to face most of the time. But I think there is, if there's a chink in their armor, it is that Ederson is not, is looking like a more and more vulnerable shot stopper, which would lead into a lot of bets coming late teams, nicking goals unexpectedly, just because I'm not sure he's all that good in that department. Yeah.
0: Well, it's something to keep an eye on for sure. I mean, we've seen it with other teams and sometimes uh, dominant teams, goalkeepers look great because they put up a lot of clean sheets,
1: but then all of a sudden they have to become a world-class shot stopper. Uh, Danny Ward had like six clean or six clean sheets or something this year. So, and we, we know my feelings on Danny Ward.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Edward Mendy was like winning awards as the best goalkeeper in the world. Then all of a sudden Conte went out and he's a backup to Kepa now.
2: So <laughs> life comes at you fast. fast in the goal.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, we got three more games. Let's rip through them real quick, and get people out of here. Yeah. Next up we have uh Brighton versus Arsenal. Brighton is seventh at 24 points, Arsenal is first at 40 points. This game is Saturday at 12:30 p.m. Arsenal is plus 108, Brighton is plus 240, the draw is plus 250. Arsenal minus half a goal is plus 105 over at Caesars, and Brighton is minus 135. Brett, the post-Potter Brighton has impressed a little bit more than expected, and they did have one of the breakout stars of the tournament in the World Cup with uh, McAllister out of Argentina. Problem is, McAllister is still having a great time with his girlfriend somewhere and is not going to be in this lineup, and even though they beat Southampton 3-1, uh, that scoreline really flattered that game if you watched it. I yep. thought Southampton might have even been the better team even though they lost by two goals, Yeah, she to would say. agree with you. Yep. So um, I love that you're getting Arsenal at a plus number here. I know that we had some doubts about Arsenal with the Jesus injury, and we still think Manchester City is going to you know beat them in the end. But Nikano was excellent. Like that yeah. goal, Nikita sp- that scored when he shielded the defender, hit him with the spin, and then shot across the goalie's body into the side net. That was like a world class goal. I'm not saying he's a world class striker, but he did score a world class goal. And once you see that, you say, okay, Jesus is a devastating injury, but can this guy fill in for six weeks? Can he fill in for four weeks or whatever he is? And if Brighton is going to be without one of their best players, uh, and you know, not even able to keep up with Southampton, how are they going to keep up with an Arsenal team that has Martinelli? uh playing excellent that is getting quality all over the pitch man partake continues to bomb sh- shots from distance and shut down the midfield jacques is doing his thing like they're great arsenal is a great team and so getting them at plus 108 here feels like excellent value
1: yeah I, i'd agree I, I mean i think a lot of stuff i would just be repeating is uh, the one thing about arsenal is i i thought when we talked about it, we have our concerns I think those concerns are going to show up more as the this second half rolls on than initially. Um, obviously, the more games they get under their belt, the more time that these guys have to play and some of the warts can come out uh, in the absence of Jesus. I think that's when we'll start to see it. Brighton in particular has had a bunch of concerning performances leading up to this match, um, including the latest one at Southampton. And they don't have McAllister, who I would also agree is probably their best and at least hottest commodity at this point. So Arsenal at plus money seemed like a trap. <laughs> um, yeah. And I also think, too, that like one of the questions I had, and this was, an, you know, a, a prediction was really an open question I wanted to see. Was their defensive ability going to drop off without Jesus is pressing in there uh, when Nketiah in his place? And. I didn't see that. I thought I saw a team that still was going to control a lot of the matches that they're in. So the both the score no at plus one ten um, seems to suit the two types of path this match can take. If Brighton pulls out an upset win, it's probably because they stop Arsenal from scoring. If Arsenal wins, I have a hard time seeing Brighton without one of their most creative pieces in the mix putting goals past Arsenal with the way that they're playing right now. So. I, I kind of like that line almost more, you, even though I think it's a, a, a value play for sure with the Arsenal plus 108, I actually like the both the score line a little bit better.
0: Interesting, because i kind of going the other way on it and playing the over 2.5 goals and minus 125, uh, I and, and both can be true, right? Like Arsenal could win this 3-0 and both of the be- those bets cash, yep. uh, but because Arsenal did show some more impressive firepower than I was expecting, and more importantly, Brighton just seems completely incapable right now of, of playing low-scoring games. Yeah. Like I know that we have to discount a little bit what we saw before the break, but I think that's less true to a team like Brighton that, besides McAllister, didn't have heavy involvement in the World Cup. They kind of are who they are if you look at the large enough sample size. I agree. And, Each of their last six games, like forget just the one you saw, each of the last six games, I forget three goals, actually hit four goals in total. Mm -hmm. They're playing games that are not tightly um, contested through the middle. They're very open with a lot of high-quality chances coming on both sides. And so getting that over two and a half, which Arsenal could cover by themselves, uh, at minus 125 seems like good value to me.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I I, I mean, and like I said, both, both of those bets can hit. But very easily, Arsenal could could walk this game as well. So Yep.
0: Cool. All right. Uh, One more last break to pay some bills, and then we'll be back with our last two games.
1: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
0: Okay, we are back for our last two games of the weekend, and we will start heading over to Tottenham, who is home versus Aston Villa. Tottenham is fourth at 30 points. Aston Villa is 12th at 18 points. This game is Sunday, New Year's Day at 9 a.m. So shake off those hangovers, get up and watch some footy. Uh, Tottenham is minus 150. Aston Villa is plus 390. The draw is plus 290. Spurs minus half a goal over at Caesars stays at one, minus one 150, and Aston Villa is plus 120. So, Brett, we kind of mentioned it earlier in the show, but I think we are absolutely right to fade the Spurs after watching them. Their depth is going to be a huge problem. They have so many games to play, and it wasn't their starting lineup that worried me. It was as soon as I looked at their bench and what they had available to uh, sub in for you know games uh, to be a match changer in the after the sixty minutes or as their season progresses and they need some rotation. It ain't good. Uh, I think any team. I can't think of any team that has aspirations that needs January signings more than the Spurs and I can't think of a front office less likely and less capable of making January signings than the Spurs are. So, I think they're in trouble. Um, Sun was nearly invisible. The only guy who, you know, really impressed me was uh Kulchevsky, who you know is my boy, but he was excellent <laughs> again. He was excellent <laughs> again. I mean, Kane was great. Like Kane was Kane. He almost yeah. rescued the game for him with that header off the bar. He didn't do much in the first 60, and then as soon as they need him, you know, he gets a goal to bring them back into the match. Kulusevsky creates the second one uh, to make up for the goal that Eric Dyer created out of nothing by volleying the ball. Eric Dyer is line. a double agent for Spurs
1: at this point, I'm telling you. It's been my thing um, for the last three months.
0: <laughs> and we talked about it with Liverpool earlier, right? Like Aston Villa created a ton of chances against a far better defensive team than Tottenham. So take the game I watched with uh, Una Emery's new tactics coming into play for Villa. Take what I think is just going to be a decline from the Spurs that's going to accelerate. They were the only one of the top seven teams or the big seven. Um, Actually, I guess Brighton did win, right? So they are the only ones of the top eight teams that didn't win outright in their match coming back. Uh, and I'm going to go all the way here. I'm going to take Aston Villa plus 390. I like that number more than playing the double chance at plus 120. I think they absolutely could beat the Spurs one out of two, one out of three times that this match is played uh, right now.
1: Uh, I have the same bet. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, Una Emery has done really good stuff with Villa so far. Um, They look good, and I just think in general, this is portfolio betting again. Everything against the Spurs at this point. I just think this is going to be a pretty abrupt slide uh, down the hill for them. They are just gonna drop. Um, and so I'm taking the villa to win. I'm gonna even take it one step further, Toby. I'm also gonna take the villa to win in over 2.5 goals at plus 650. Woo! So I, am, I love it. I am very all in on betting against Spurs.
0: <laughs> I love that bet because my my prop was actually both teams to score yes and minus 130. And uh, so if I'm going to like that value and I think Aston Villa has a chance to win, that means 2 1 is the minimum score line, right? Which yep. then plays really well into your bet and you're getting plus 600 instead of um, the plus uh, 300. So you want to double your odds for something that both of us think is highly possible, which is several goals happening and an Aston Villa victory. Brett's bet is the way to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we're going to hear this all the time, man. It's just going to be anti, this is going to be anti Spurs. If you're a Spurs fan, yes, we have a bias against your team.
0: (laughs) I don't think we have a bias because I opened the season preview with saying that I thought Spurs was going to finish second in the league. Like, I still love Conte. It's just what we talked about 20 minutes ago. As handicappers, you have to adjust to to what your eyes are seeing. And if they don't get reinforcements, they are going to really slip in January. And once they slip in January, like how are they coming back from that, particularly with Newcastle playing as well as they are with Liverpool uh, being on their way back up the table with United being shockingly solid. And I still think Chelsea has a chance to climb up the table. And so like, if you told me what's more likely Tottenham to finish fourth or Tottenham to finish seventh, I'd actually lean to seventh right now.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It's seven. Yeah, I yeah, I couldn't agree more. So but there'll be a lot of Spurs hate, but it's, it's as Toby put it, it's adjusting to new information. It's not just blind hatred. Yep, it's informed hatred.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to that. All right, last match. Forest 19th, 13 points versus Chelsea, eighth at 24 points. This game is Sunday at 11:30 a.m. Chelsea is minus one forty five. Forrest is plus four ten. The draw is plus two sixty five. Chelsea minus half a goal st- stays at minus one forty five. Our friends at Caesars has Forest at plus one fifteen for their double chance. So, Brett, I'm I'm heavy on Chelsea in this game. I'm just going to say it right up front. Uh, Forest looks so incredibly bad against United. Like this, I talked earlier about how shocking it was to see how good city looked and coming back from the world cup and then you see a team like forest and you're like oh okay it's not every team in the premier league like there is still really bad soccer being played it's mainly <laughs> being played in nottingham and i think the way chelsea came out in their match they are suddenly and i, I give grand potter some credit they're suddenly setting up to try to be a, a form of flat track bullies like the four two three one they came out in with Zakaria. Uh, kind of, you know, serving as the defensive anchor in front of Silva and Koulibaly works great against teams that aren't going to generate a whole lot of chances, and it freed up their attack. All of a sudden, they had Mount, Pooley, stirring and Havertz like, wreaking havoc up front, moving the ball really fast, interchanging, making really good runs, because all those guys... Um. yeah I'd say all of those guys Havertz has a little bit of room for improvement but all those guys do make smart runs and do make smart moves it's not like you know God forbid that we had Lukaku back and to a certain extent Obama like it looked really fluid and the fact that four of them were involved in it instead of three of them were involved in it because they switched to the four-two-three-one is excellent for bottom half teams so I think that they are going to if they continue that fashion of playing and even though they're going to have to be without Reese James for a little bit who looked absolutely incredible in the first 45 minutes and it broke my heart to see him limp off Uh and then the 55 minute mark and even without Angolo Conti, where they really miss those guys are in top seven matchups. They don't miss them quite as much when they're playing terrible teams like Forest. So for this particular game, I'm even adjusting the line up, Brett. I'm taking Chelsea minus a goal Ooh. and a half and moving the line all the way up to plus
1: 185. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't have the the stones that you have um so i took him on the regular minus one oh minus 0.5 at minus 145 but i, I can see all of this the, the drawback i always have is i just think reese james a i think he's so good B, I, there's just no easy way to replace what he does and i'm still not sure then what that means for chelsea so i i wanted to get there i was trying to get there because i don't think Forrest is any good. Um, but I, I couldn't get to the adjusted line, but I definitely see the argument for getting there.
0: Yeah, well, even though you couldn't get there, I could get all the way there, Brett. Uh, and I'm taking Chelsea to win and over 2.5 goals at plus 160. And I looked long and hard. I will tell you this. I looked long and hard at Chelsea themselves over 2.5 goals at plus 265. If they're going to play this attacking style and then trust Zakaria and Silva and Koulibaly to wipe out any you know minor counterattack that comes their way and they're really going to go after it, I could absolutely see them putting up three or four in this matchup just like United did.
1: Yeah, I actually went the exact opposite route. I think the swap from Azpilicueta to Reese James is going to make them more defensive. Um, I think Zakaria, Dennis Zakaria, like emerging as the Chelsea savior is the storyline I'm here for in 2023. But um, he's also fairly limited. I think he fits an important need. They need someone next to Jorginho that can like run around and like win the ball back and stuff. Um, But he also makes them a more tilted, more towards a defensive side. I have zero faith in Forrest's attack. So the under, the basic under of 2.5, even though the, the line isn't great um, at minus 120, I just see the kind of cap for this game at being 2 0 Chelsea. Um,
0: so mm-hmm. you're making a big mistake,
1: pal. You're forgetting one
0: thing. If you don't trust Forrest's attack and I don't trust Forrest's attack and Graham Potter is all of a sudden willing to go all offense, be prepared for a wing wingback, baby. <laughs> we you leave Asmaquella on the sideline and uh, play a fifth attacker? Uh, into that lineup. So don't I mean, discount I'm here that. for that.
1: I'm here for that. Uh, believe me, I am definitely here for, for pool situation, wing back or Sterling at wing back or whatever. He did the one match with Sterling. Um, I am here for all of that. I don't know if that's, what's going to happen. Um, and I just think that the changes from Reese James to whoever, however else they manipulate it now is going to make them a little bit more defensive. I just couldn't see that where that third goal comes from consistently, consistently enough in the range. Um so I just like the basic under.
0: Yeah. Well, um before we move to the 5 point just in your spirit of blind betting, um Ooh, we yes. will not we will not be back on the air before this match happens after Chelsea cooks Forest and they look like they're pretty decent again. Uh, they're going to, they're playing city twice. Um, I see. We will be back on before the FA cup, but they're playing them in the premier league next week. Before we record again, I will blind bet city in that matchup without Reese James. <laughs> Chelsea is going to get destroyed by city. So give me city minus a goal and a half at whatever the number is. versus <laughs> Chelsea midweek next week.
1: I've started a trend. I love it. It's the first right. time
0: I've been a trendsetter in my life <laughs> with, without uh, like, like, this isn't the game where they really miss Reese James and Miss Angolo Conte. Yes. City is where they extremely miss Reese James and Angolo yeah. Conte. And without those guys, they are going to get run off the pitch. So that's my blind bet for you.
1: I love it. I love that blind bets are catching on. I hope everybody does it.
0: <laughs> Here we go. Uh, five pint, where we're not betting blind this week. At least I'm not. And you might be a madman at doing it again. And I hope you do because I'm slightly winning, Brett. After last week, I had uh, extended my winning streak. I had another plus week. You came pretty damn close after you hit that halon bet. You essentially broke even. So I am now up 34.9 to 34.1. I think the notable thing about those numbers is that means just for the month of December, I am plus 10 units and you are plus 9 units. This is mid-heater, folks. If you have been listening to us, I hope there are a couple extra gifts under the tree. Keep keep tailing us until uh, (laughs) until it's time to fade us, which probably be pretty soon. So (laughs) I'm heavy on two matches this week, uh, Brett. And shockingly, one of them is Manchester United. I'm going to go with United to win minus 107. I'm going with that Rashford anytime at plus 190. And then if you head over to Chelsea, I am taking them both on the adjusted line. Chelsea minus a goal and a half at plus 185. And I'm betting them Chelsea win and over 2.5 goals at plus 160. I spread my bets out just in case it is 2-1. I would still have a profitable portfolio from those two bets. And if it's, if it's, you know, two zero, I'm sorry, if it's uh, three zero or three one, then I hit both of them. So diversify a little bit of risk on the two one scoreline and still leave myself plenty of avenues to win both bets. And then for my final uh, pint, I am going with Arsenal Brighton over 2.5 goals and minus 125. How about you?
1: Uh, well, I'm stealing one of your bets. I'm just adding an extra pint to it. I'm with you on United. Uh, it was minus 107, but I'm not doing one pint. I'm actually doing two pints on that. There you
0: go, guys. Uh, uh, and I'm Three actually pints do, total on the same line. Uh,
1: there's actually going to be five pints total on Manchester United because I'm adding two more on the United clean sheet win at plus 195. Holy uh, hell. So there are four pints. All tied up in a very positive United result. <laughs> what a weird way to end 2022. <laughs> uh, so, and then my final one is just going to be uh, it's weird. I know when we talked about this game, I said the both the score and no line is actually one I kind of liked more for the value. The one I trust more still, though, because soccer is weird and random and a random goal could come in, uh, I still like Arsenal plus 108 for the final pint. I, I just, I trust them more to win. And I yeah. need these bets because we're neck and neck. So I, I I think the value is at the other of my prop bet, but I just trusted this line more, I guess. Um, so those are my I, five. Four on United, one on Arsenal. I went back and
0: forth for my last pint on the arsenal plus one Oh eight and the over two and a half at minus minus one twenty five. So I'm glad we ended up on different bets Cause it makes it a little bit more fun Yeah. But since I'm winning. I wish I had covered you and then leave you almost no path to victory. That's just cause I'm, I'm a competitive. Game, bastard. Yeah. I was
1: going to say it's game theory, man. Just take on, let me go first and then take on my bets.
0: <laughs> That's true. I probably should do that next time. Uh, all right. So that is another episode of Covered in Glory and our last one for 2022. We wish you and yours the very best of New Year's and like uh, American poet Adam Duritz of The Counting Crow says for 2023, we hope that that year is better than the last. We will be back with you in the new year with one more show before you come meet us in Vegas, and we will be excited to return with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Happy New Year's, everyone.
1: Take care, y'all.